This series of the For All Mankind podcast is brought to you by the Gardner Family Apothecary. Caring for your sensitive skin with the Elav and Ovel solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel's Silcox base to Elav's Sensitive Beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of the news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro. Hello and welcome to For All Mankind, the podcast. Today's guest is a model, former Miss Ireland and mum to Sadie. It's Sarah Morrissey. Hello, Sarah. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here and doing something. I know. I know. (laughs) Yourself and your daughter, Sadie, you seem like the two of you are the thickest eaves. You have such a fabulous bond. Oh, thank you. You spend so much time with her um, and do loads of activities. I suppose being a girl mum as well, you know, and uh, what I do for a living, you know, the hair and the makeup and it's something that, you know, being a girl, she loves. So I think that's a byproduct of it. But also I think as well from my job that I always could pick and choose what I did. So I had a lot of time off. So I was home quite a lot. And then now in the pandemic, you know, I'm at home all the time. So um, we just, I think... You know, she is one of them children that, you know, I guess a lot of them would be all about daddy. She's just all about mummy. My poor husband does not get a look in. And he literally just rolls his eyes at it at this point. She's just like, you know, there's there's times even, you know, when we've been away on holidays and she won't even let him wheel the pram. And like, I have to wheel wheel a pram or I know everything's no mommy do it. My mommy do it, (laughs) you know. So God love him. He just literally doesn't get a look in. (laughs) That's so funny because Alice is the opposite. She's obsessed with Ben. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think that's what most people think. You know, whenever I talk to people, they're like, oh, you know, uh, uh, Doris, they love their daddy. And, and of course she does, but uh, no, she's all about mommy. Like whenever I have to leave the house, I have to sneak out of the house. She wants to come everywhere with me. Um, we just do. We just, I think because we've spent so much time together, we do just have that bond, you know. And um, we have a lot of fun together, to be honest with you. She cracks me up. She really does. <laughs> And when you were saying there that you've spent loads of time, but you, when you had Sadie, you were back on the job after eight weeks. How was that? Yeah. Um, do you know what? It was tough. Um, and it's not something I'd recommend, to be honest with you. And if I was ever in that position again, I would never do it. I think it was one of them things that, you know, when I got pregnant and it kind of came to my end of the pr- pregnancy, the how it works with the air industry is it runs in seasons. So I had her in November and I knew that January was their next fashion season. It works from January to, you know, the end of a- April, May. And, um, and that's your busy period. And um, after that in summer, you kind of have a lot of time off. So I knew that I'd already had a bit of time off when I was pregnant. And then all these um, bookings kept coming in. The agency were like, well, you know, this show is coming up in January, this show. And I said yes to them, but I said yes, not knowing, obviously, what having a baby was like. You know, you know, I wasn't prepared for not only like how tired I would be or how full on it was, but also the anxiety that comes with it. I don't think anybody talks about the anxiety of having a child, 
you know so yeah. um because of you know my work ethic in that I'd already said yes to these jobs and I didn't want to let people down I went ahead with it but um looking back I probably shouldn't have you know I barely remember at the time to be honest with you you know I was night feeding I um the anxiety of you know I'd spend hours thinking how I was going to you know get up and get everything packed and ready you know yourself when you have a child you you pack everything like the kitchen sink you know like I'd have lists upon lists in my head and written down of things I'd have to pack to get ready for you know and then when the minute I'd get to the job I'd have anxiety about getting to the job about being late or anything like that and then the minute I get to the job I'd have anxiety about not being home with her yeah and I always felt like you know when people said to me oh you know who has her today because I never had a minder you know I was lucky that my husband was self-employed so and we worked it between us and then my mum used to always help you know so in that aspect I didn't feel guilty in that I was bringing in outside help but I always felt that when people said to me oh you know who has her today they were really saying to me why aren't you at home with her you know and they obviously weren't but that was my own insecurity yeah you know it's funny when you're in that vulnerable state that someone can say something totally innocent to you yeah but it's what you perceive it as Mm-hmm. It's it's our own feelings that can add the weight to the words. And it absolutely it, was my own feelings. You know, people were, you know, being really kind and nice and saying, oh, it's good that you're back out and, you know, and, you know, so, and it was always so quickly, you've got you're back in shape or you're back in work so quickly. But I felt like they were saying you've left her too quickly. Yeah. You know, and also, you know, um, in, in a lot of ways, I can't complain. It's not like I had a nine to five job and I left Monday to Friday. You know, I might have worked on a Monday, but not, not might, might not have worked again until the Thursday. And I always um, split my days. So if I knew I was having a long show on a Monday, I'd make sure that the agency would never book me a job for the next day. I always made sure I'd time then a home with her. So in a lot of ways, I can't complain because I know a lot of people didn't have that time. But then also my hours aren't your usual well hours. You know, if I was doing a show, I could be in like ah, in doing the show till 10, 11 at night and then coming home to night feed to get up the next day for an early morning shoot. You know, sometimes with our yeah. Brown Thomas shows, you know, our call time is 3.30 in the morning, you know. So oh a lot of jobs I just eventually had to pick and choose and I hate doing that because I I do come from the days of a model where you said yes to everything so I always get that bit of guilt in that you know you never turn down a job or you never turn down an opportunity but it just came to a point where number one I had to choose wisely my time and also I had to choose whether it was worth uh, the money you know Mm because that's what it comes down to in me leaving her you know like if I don't need that money and it's not worth me leaving her at home then I'm not going to do the job you know and then I just got to the point where I was always very was very polite about it you know and you know I never said you know your job's not worth it or anything like that but I just said you know what you know I'm just going to be more choosy with what, what I do with my time 
it, yeah. it was more like that you know so and then you know after a while you settle down you know it took a good year to be honest with you as well it, it kind of I think it took the agency time to understand where I was coming from as well you know they'd never dealt really with a model that had a young child I was probably there was me and one other model that had a baby at the same time and we were full-time working models and we were both in the same boat you know we kept having to tell them no you can't just ring it's the day before you know we need to know we need to know a start time and a finish time and this has never happened before because with models you literally get told the night before and like they don't have to tell you when you're finished or you know how long the job is but now that I had a child I had all these um not rules but kind of like um guidelines for myself and for them that you know I needed to let people know where I would be and what time I would be back at so you're dealing with other people's time as well like even though it's my mom or my sister it is still their time you know so it took a good I'd say um year for us all to kind of find our feet and for me to kind of um be okay with saying no and then eventually it gets easier you know the the packing the bags for the baby gets less you know they're okay in their you know baby grow you don't have to get them dressed before they go you know all that kind of stuff gets a lot easier yeah it does and like I'm listening to you talking about you know going away for a couple of hours I mean I used to get anxious I used to meet my friends you know for coffee and you you'd be like okay do I have a backup outfit and do I have food and do I have each one of us will have carried so I'm I have such empathy for you to go oh at eight weeks to be at you know to, to leave with that volume in your head and that noise in your head and then have to you know go into your workplace and perform as you do as a model and that's that's hard and I think you know for a lot of people they would um, expect that the hardest part would be Um, my body I think a lot of people think that models you know getting back into shape it's like that would be a that would be my focus but it was I'm not joking the last thing I ever ever thought of I never thought about my weight before I went back to work I never thought I had to be back in shape it was all of my anxiety came from leaving her and you know like I'd be on a job and I wouldn't even be worried about what I'd be wearing I'd be thinking oh my god I'm already a half an hour over my time I told yeah. my mum I'd be home half an hour ago and I knew my mum wouldn't mind but I, I always felt like I didn't want to I don't know if I can say this I could take the piss yeah <laughs> can I say yeah, that totally. um you know and then I could feel the anxiety like building and you can feel it inside you and I'd have to go to the toilet to try and calm myself down you can feel the tears coming you know it's just like you know I always you put so much pressure on yourself you know and I always felt that pressure to be a certain type of mom to Sadie but then also you have the pressure to be a certain type of person and work and you can't be everything no no and it's there's that phrase where it's you know being work like you're not a mom but then be at home like you don't work and it's so hard and even you know like I I have a nine-to-five job and even then the days that you know she might be Alice would have been under the weather or something and you're handing her over and you're like oh god you know I should be at home with her I should be but then you have the pressure of going to work and you know being reliable for them as Be, well exactly so it's, it's such and it, a... it, I think it's hard as well for partners to understand you know my husband didn't understand it at all like he would just say to me well don't do the job you know that easy you know yeah. like mm, just say no and I'm like but it doesn't work like that you know if I made said yes to something and I 
taken on that commitment I'm not going to let them down you know especially in my job it's not just about being replaced by another model you know there's a whole team that have gone behind it you know they've picked clothes in your size they've picked you for a reason you know like you're letting a whole crew crew down and I didn't want to do that so it's not as easy as saying well just don't do the job you know it just doesn't work like that and tell me you were you're a twin and so from your own family life and growing up what parts of your family life have you brought into your your own family um I think you know I'm one of seven and um my dad came from a big family and so did my mom but the biggest thing with my mom was she was all about children she loved kids you know if um anybody ever knew my mom that's the one thing they would say about her you know even like where the neighborhood we came from she she fed everyone's child you know and um, people had lovely memories of them you know walking home from school and you know they'd be walking by the house and in summer my mom would be standing outside handing all the children lollipops as they're going by shouting after them don't do your homework go out and play you know <laughs> that's the type of that my mom was you know if we went anywhere um we were, even though there was so many of us, we were all allowed to bring a friend. So literally my mom would arrive at the beach with 25 children <laughs> and she'd be able to feed them all. You know, she'd have, you know, the packets of potato and the bread and, you know, we'd all have chip sandwiches. And so I think that's the biggest thing I learned from my mom. And that's, I think that's why I have such a strong bond with Sadie because um, I am such a nurturer and um, I love children. I just do. It's just in me. I always knew I was going to be a mom and um, hoped I would be. Um, I shouldn't say I knew. I guess I hoped I would be um, because I knew that's what was for me, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I think we're all like that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I have lots of nieces and nephews and it's such a, um, I suppose, it was just such a happy um full of laughter full of children environment yeah, yeah. my mum just loved kids and I think that's um that's definitely what I've taken from her you know and you know getting pregnant with Sadie how and your pregnancy how was that well the actual getting pregnant wasn't um as straightforward as I thought it was going to be as it you know what as it is for most people I think it's only when you start trying to have a child that you realize how um, much of a struggle it is I kind of had an idea it might be because although my mom had a lot of children you know um a lot of family members didn't have their kids till later life so I kind of had an idea it might take me a while um, so after a year of trying, I went to the doctor and, you know, we did full blood work and everything. And he, he sent me to um, see a consultant and they basically just said, you know, after a year of trying, you know, um, let's just change up your routine a bit. You know, uh, I suppose being a model, I'd always my emphasis was always on fitness because I did a lot of um, bikini modeling and a lot of fitness modeling. And I was working out every day, but hardcore working out, you know, I was a proper, I loved my fitness. So I was doing really heavy weights. Um, I'd do a big, afterwards I might do a gym session. Sometimes I might do two sessions in a day, you know, but that wasn't anything for me. I thought that was just kind of, you know, I was able for it. I thought it was okay, you know, and the doctor had just said, look, listen, if after a year it isn't working for you, let's just change up your routine a bit. So I stopped working out every day. I kind of only did about three days a week, um, which is very hard actually um, mentally to get your head around when you go from, you know, 
every day doing something to kind of skein it back yeah um but I did what they asked me, you know, I made sure I'd set meals every day. Um, because when you're modeling, you know, you kind of tend to eat on the go. So like, I never really ever sat down for like a proper dinner or had a proper breakfast. I might grab a wrap like at four o'clock in the day or, you know, you eat at, um, you know, really weird times. So mm-hmm. I kind of set myself a schedule and, you know, it took a little bit longer even. So I think after about... Um, but I suppose it took my body a long time to adjust. So I think after about, it was nearly two years, I ended up getting pregnant with Sadie. Um, so I'm, I'll, let me just clarify this. So just to say, if you are working out every day, you know, you, you probably still can't get pregnant. It just wasn't working for me. So yeah. like the doctor said, if something isn't working, why not change it up a bit? So that's yeah. why I did. And in the end, it did work for me. I got pregnant with her. Um, so it took me about two years altogether. Yeah. And I mean, exactly as you said, like everyone is, you know, their body can take different things. And if you're, it could have just been that time in your life that just overall you needed to take um, a step back just to let the body relax a bit. Um, Exactly. I think, I think I'd just been going so hard for so many years that, um, yeah, I think my body just needed a break. You've shared on your Instagram, I suppose, kind of, I suppose you'd say kind of snippets into where you are at the moment in trying to become a mum for the second time how is that going like how how do you feel about it well um I suppose when I agreed to do this podcast I kind of wondered how much um I would share with you and should share with you as I've never really spoken about it honestly before and I kind of thought if I ever did talk about it, it would be when I was, you know, in a happier place or carrying a child and, and do it as in a hopeful, uplifting story for people. Um, but then I thought, you know, you really only, um, hear, you never really hear from people like that are right in the midst of it, mm-hmm. you know. And I guess that's kind of where I am, you know, um, I suppose most people spent lockdown like learning a new skill and being really proactive and you know I always see these stories and I think how did they find that time you know and I think it's brilliant that people do that but I guess lockdown for me has been you know just about surviving to be honest with you it's um literally just about you know trying to get myself up every morning and trying to get myself healthy um you know without going into it too much you know I obviously lost my mom in May mm-hmm. and you know at the very start of the first lockdown and then since then I've had two miscarriages so um the first one um in August last year and um I was just over 10 weeks and then the last one just in February gone so um so as I said it's just I suppose after each one well before each one you know you're trying to make sure that you know you're in the right frame of mind and you're getting healthy again and then after each one you're kind of doing the same thing you know because it takes a lot out out of you you know so I kind of guess that's where I am really just kind of recovering and trying to get myself ready ready to go again (laughs) so I mean like we both know um I, I lost my mom in September and we'd often message each other, you know, things and certain days and stuff would be quite triggering when you've lost a mother. And and also it can be the every day can actually catch you out more than the days that you expect to be caught out with emotion. Yeah. Um, And for you kind of, you know, emotionally, mentally to grieve for your mom and then trying to get pregnant on top of that, that's very, I can imagine that being very difficult. 
um, because that's the type of journey that you'd probably share with her. Exactly. But I think um, I think I haven't grieved my mom because all of the other stuff has taken over, if yeah, you know what I mean. So I my only way of kind of getting through it is by not thinking about it and just focusing on what's happening with the other stuff. Yeah. I think because physically, um, you know, it's quite hard, you know, I, and, and like it, it really is, you know, like, you, you know, there's days where like, especially after having one like that, I can't walk and, you know, I'm bent over because my back is so sore and, you know, so physically it takes that all out, out of you. Um, but I think mentally I'm quite strong, but I'm quite strong by not thinking about it. And I don't know if that's the right way, way to deal with it. You know, I often get pe- messages from people about grief and I don't, not that I don't like giving advice. It's just that I don't really know what advice to give because I haven't dealt with it really properly or probably how you should deal with it just because I've had so much going on. So I don't really know, to be honest with you, um, there's days where you know it's bad but then there's there's, there are good days as well you know and that you know I'm so happy being around Sadie and also you know you know um from hearing other people's stories on like Twitter or whatever I know other people have it a lot worse and I personally know people that have been through really bad times and do have a bad so I try to remember all the time that you know this is just the hand I've been dealt with, you know, that's what I take from my mom as well. My mom was so, was so strong, you know, she was always the kind of person that gets up every morning. She was like, you know, you get up, you get on with it because no one's going to do it for you. And yeah. that's the kind of person I am. That's how I get up every morning and get on with it because what else do you do? There yeah. is nothing else to totally. do, you know? Yeah, and my, my, my mom would be the same. Like she was never, no matter what was going on or even when she was unwell, she would never have it to say. Like she just got up, got on with her day and yeah, it's the resilience. Um, it is. And I think it's, honestly, it's the resilience in women. It really is. Yeah. Like you, you, from hearing people's stories and what people go through, you know, like I'm, for, I, and like, I'm not saying this because I know a lot of women have, been through it it's just statistically with the amount of models there is like there's no way other models haven't been through it but I remember leaving hospital one time for one of my this because I've had three um, miscarriages in in total in a row so I'm kind of doing a lot of investigating now but I remember one of my first ones uh, leaving the hospital and going straight to do a show you know I went into the catwalk because I was booked for it and that's what you do you just get on with your day and you know I when I left the hospital and I in the car I had a little cry and then I went and did my job I put on a smile and you know that's what women do mm-hmm. they get up and they get on with it and because that's how strong they are you know yeah. and so, there's a societal expectation you know on, our, on ourselves of oh you know like and a lot of people you know again it's it's kind of it's almost like don't talk about miscarriage and um, you know we saw the documentary recently that Sheila Shoga did on miscarriage and it's 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 time now for us women to speak up and when it it's not something to be to hide from or to be ashamed of because it's nobody's fault it's it's just something that happens you know thank you to you to adding your voice to the conversation as well I think it's something that I do struggle with though so I understand why people don't feel the need or I suppose not don't feel the need but I suppose are scared of saying something you know um 
I haven't even told a lot of this to my family. You know, when I've been through um, the miscarriages, I was very aware that, you know, everyone's gone through their own problems and, you know, having lost mom, everyone's grieving in a different way. So I felt like I wasn't going to show up on people's doorsteps with an, a problem for me. And, you know, especially when, when people have so much going on and, and so much I grief. Know. So yeah. I, I, I understand why people don't say anything, but... I suppose the one thing for me is when I was asked to do this podcast, um, I was thinking, you know, it might be a good thing just to let it all go, you know, just let it all out. And then by letting it all be free and it's just out there, it's kind of like a release from the body. You know, maybe then I might be ready for what's coming next next for me. And I don't know if that sounds just cheesy or just ridiculous, um, but I kind of feel like I need to let it all out and mm-hmm. not be holding it anymore. That, you know, my body then is ready for whatever might come my way. And I am a hopeful person, you know. I always think sharing your story in is, you know, I for me with fertility I, I, I decided from the get-go that I wasn't going to hide that from my friends or from my family um, that I had to be honest because I wouldn't want anyone else to think oh look at her she she's you know in her mid-30s and she had her she had a baby easily like I didn't and it took me a while and we went down the fertility route so I'd hate for anyone to you know, make that comparison to me um, and I think sharing your truth it gives you strength and you get a, a release and you get relief from it being out there you're not carrying that weight that often by holding it inside you um that weight can be, become almost like a, a burden it can weigh you down too much and you know hopefully by you sharing your story and you being open with it and letting it come out that it'll give you an opportunity to flourish and you know to conceive and I know you're you're look you said earlier you're looking at into investigations so where what's the next Um, step for you well right right now I'm right now I'm recovering and um you know I've had my first cycle you know after a miscarriage as who people might know who've had one that listen to this you know it takes a while for your body to go back and to adapt to how it was before so I've only had one cycle since um and um I've been on a hormone called letrozole for two years so that has um so every time now I'm back on my cycle I go back on that so I'm kind of um I'm been referred to um, a miscarriage unit to um because when you have three in a row then they um take you in to do more investigative work so i'm kind of waiting on that to happen mm-hmm. um as people might might know during the pandemic there's not a rush on anything you can't get an appointment for barely anything you know um the appointment they've given me isn't until you know more or less the end of this year so um I'm kind of like, in one way, just keeping on going, you know, just let's see what happens. And then in another way, um, I'm probably going to just privately do my own investigations with um, a consultant. So um, I don't really know, to be honest with you. I think um, I need need to do a, a little bit more recovery for myself and kind of, you know, um, give myself time, yes. you know, 
yes. to just to just just adjust to the new normal that is now you know and Sarah what do you do like for you in your everyday life you know what do you do to look after yourself um I think this is why I put such an emphasis on um working out because you know Sadie gets me up in the morning she does and you know um through the bad times there's times where you know I have to will myself to get up but there's there's times now where you know it happens more than often that I just get up automatically and I think that's a good sign in the right direction you know with how life is moving that I'm not lying in bed going oh god I have to get up today you know that kind of way yeah um so Sadie does get me up but also when she's gone the fact that you know I'm not working and I'm not home has been a blessing in my recovery you know for everything that's been happening that I don't have to cancel work but it also means I don't have a lot to focus on when she's gone so for me fitness has been a thing that has given me a bit of routine it's helping me get strong physically and mentally it's so important for your mental health you know I make sure I take my vitamins but also like as anyone knows like the minute you get pregnant you know the minute them two blue lines show up your whole mentality and your whole you know um, relationship with you know with health changes you know the minute that happens for me you know my fitness changes you know my my how I work out my vitamins change everything changes because it's all consuming because when you've been trying for so long it just becomes everything that you are you know so so then when it doesn't work out you kind of have to adjust back how it was before so a lot of it has just been getting into routine for me you know making sure that yeah I'm I'm healthy physically and mentally um, to kind of go back and start again and really that's all you can do you know when you've nowhere to go because we've nowhere to go yeah. to you know you've nobody to see because we're not allowed to see our friends and we're not allowed to see really a lot of my family because there's so many of us I have to keep myself um safe and healthy so I can go in and help my dad mm-hmm. um and then obviously when you know you do get pregnant and they get get them blue lines you don't want anything anything to happen because you're so hyper aware of what can happen so like I'm hyper aware of being in contact with someone like because I just cannot afford for anything to happen you know that kind of way I'm just like even like one of the days I went for a really long walk and I felt like a little bit of it in my leg you know and I was thinking oh it's just a little bit in my leg um it'll be fine it was just a little niggle and I kept on walking and then a couple of weeks later I had a miscarriage and in my head I still think back to that walk should I have stopped that walk and I know it sounds ridiculous but that's what happens it's like you pick up pick up on everything and you just is that the reason why it happened is this the reason why so I think I'm just hyper aware of trying to be healthy and trying to keep myself safe and but also without trying to you know be lonely really yeah and I have to say to you that it is never your fault that you miscarried like there's never anything that you've done but I do know I do know that fear and yeah and I am that kind of person that says someone no that's not not your fault but in your head in your head I know it's very hard to get out of it you know yeah it is and when I had Alice the 
I don't really know there was I used to bleed quite a bit through the pregnancy and it was absolutely horrendous like it was just every time it happened and because you always your head just goes to the worst and instantly it was like oh my god I shouldn't have done that I should why did I do that or why did I tell people I was pregnant or why always I put the blame back on myself and there is a part of me, you know, I, I was even talking to a friend last night. I said, oh God, I would have loads of babies, but I could not do another pregnancy. I just don't think I have that resilience. I feel like I've left, you know, having gone through two, I don't have the resilience if I miscarried. I don't have the resilience for a difficult pregnancy. I have to just let that go because the pregnancies were tough and the worry of anything happening and if if you're if you're someone like you or I who have that anxiety in your head it's so hard to let go of it and it's it's you know it's something you have to work on like all day every day it's you have to you really have to kind of control those inner voices that are trying to kind of dissuade you um and yeah it it's it's tough work and like you I find exercise is the thing that clears my head and gives me the strength and when I was in the depths of the grief in October November December January it was working out every morning to get up at six and do a strenuous exercise at half six and it was the reason to get me out of bed and then it Mm -hmm. just filled me with these hormones and endorphins that just you know kept me and I was like I have to do this for the kids you know I have to be up I have to be alert I can't be you know like just falling apart and that was Absolutely. the thing that I felt saved me and um, so I, to- I can totally understand the the working out it just clears your head and it just it gives you time to take a break from your thoughts and that is so valuable it really is it really is I can't emphasize enough how important it is and um especially with not only with dealing with grief or dealing with loss but also dealing with what's happened and at the moment yeah. when people are so you know isolated and alone and um I, it's so important to um just to get up and get moving even if it's just going for a little walk around the, around your, your area or, or block or block you know my dad goes into the he does his little walks every now and again but he goes into the kitchen and does his exercises in the kitchen and it's just so important as well for the older generation for movement you yes. know especially when they're not going anywhere um so yeah so I, I and i just found it for me just really really helpful i think you know when you go to through all this you know mentally it is very hard but I actually found the physical aspect really hard it's knocked me for six each one you know um because I I find myself really I think I'm quite mentally strong so I think if I hadn't been physically strong or physically working out um, I'd have been floored I really would have I'd have been in bed for weeks at a time because it's so hard on your body I don't think people understand like pregnancy is really really tough yeah it is you know and, and actually on Sadie I did a tremendous pregnancy I did a really really good pregnancy on her I'd not a bother the whole I worked out the whole way through I didn't feel slightly sick now I had a terrible birth <laughs> I think people say it always works out that way you great pregnancy not a great birth but and that's the way it was for me you know so I'm going to ask you Sarah our final three questions what would you tell your pregnant self 
you know what? Like, um, I suppose it's terrible because, you know, people don't have good pregnancies, but I had a really, really good pregnancy. And I was kind of like, you know, a bit airy-fairy about it. You know, everything will be okay, you know. And I'm glad I was like that because I wasn't a worrier when I was pregnant. I think if I was to tell myself anything, it would be when I had Sadie because that's when I really needed the advice. I wish people had given me a lot of advice then. And that would be to stop being so hard on yourself, you know. It's okay to say no. Um, and just um, take a moment. Just sit down, take a moment, take a deep breath. And just let the anxiety kind of slip away. Um, I think I was just so worked up about trying to do everything and you can't do everything so yeah. I think all the advice I give myself would be when I had her yeah <laughs> you know yeah I do <laughs> and what one product could you not live without one product hmm now this can be a product person place or thing do you know what I couldn't live without and it sounds ridiculous but I know how um lucky I am my garden I think, you know, when this pandemic hit and the very first lockdown, you know, the kids, obviously Sadie was three, um, I was going in to kind of um, care for my mum and we weren't seeing anybody, you know, because we were so hyper aware of, you know, COVID and not getting anyone sick. Yeah. So we literally, I was going in to take care of mum and PJ and Sadie were in the house every day. They never went to a park, you know, we got our shopping delivered online and I thank every day that fact that I had that garden that she was able to go outside play we got a trampoline you know that she wasn't missing out on everything and I'm so aware of the fact that people are living in apartments or living in social housing with a lot of people inside and they don't even have a garden and how they do it with children I will never know I, know. I raised my hands to them because I was able to do it with a huge garden and I found it tough yeah and so how other people are doing it um they just really are warriors so that's i'm so thankful for my garden i really am which probably sounds ridiculous but i am <laughs> no i think i think we all have put an extra um i think we took it so for granted um it was just a given that we had gardens and we were so busy leaving our houses and leaving our gardens on a daily basis that when we actually got to sit in our gardens we got to appreciate the actual value that they give us. So I, Absolutely. I, I know. And finally, what has been your magic moment? Well, the last year has been great. So <laughs> and I don't want to end it on a bad note. So let's think of something good. Do you know what? Um, I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, every night time for me is a magic moment. You know, um, if any, any kind of, uh, baby whisperers out there will tell me I'm, or any baby book will tell me I'm probably doing the wrong thing but uh, you know Sadie doesn't sleep in our own room she never has I go against every rule every book has, has ever been written um, she sleeps with me uh, in the bed you know sometimes I've tried to get her into our own room but it's not happening um, and so every night time I lay down beside her and she always rubs my face we sleep nose to nose and I'm so grateful for that time with her because I know it's not going to last forever and we have such an amazing bond and I don't want to ever kind of break it um 
and also actually a magic moment was uh, a while ago well I suppose it wasn't it was a good while ago probably about two years ago we were able to go back to where me and PJ got married in um, Italy and there's a lovely little church up in the hills in Tuscany and we were able to bring Sadie and the priest that married us um, who's a lovely Italian man who spoke no word of English um, we happened to be in the church when we went in to visit and he gave Sadie you know like a little blessing yes. and I was able she was able to walk up the aisle and she was at um, she, she wasn't asking questions because she couldn't really talk but she was kind of like pointing about and I uh, was able to get photos taken with her on the top of the aisle and so that's something I always treasure you know the fact that we were able to do that and you know because we might never go back again you know it's not kind of place where you bring children because like let's be honest our holidays now are (laughs) going to be all you know fun parks and you know holiday reps and things like that so I'm glad we did that once with her yeah that's a lovely moment to have you know Sarah you are a gorgeous mum and your love for Sadie and your family is so powerful and your resilience to what you've been through in the past year and the amount of loss that you have endured and that you're getting through every day. I send you so much love because I empathize with you so much. Oh, don't. Do you know what? That's the one thing I was worried about is the actual getting upset. You know, know. I'm trying my best. So you don't, because if you do, I will then. So (laughs) we'll be all right. We will. And we will continue to support each other as we do. Absolutely. sending you so much love and I know there will be so many people listening to you who are on the same road as you and who are suffering as you are and it is so difficult right now and talk share how you're feeling yeah and also I just want as well to say look listen we'll be all right we will I have so much hope inside me and not only for me but for everyone I think you know and like you have to keep it you know you have to keep your hope because because um, that's what life is 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 for. It's it's for living. It's worth living, and it's it's about being happy. You know. You know. I don't want. I'm not the kind of person that I don't want to wake up every morning and be sad. Yeah. You know. I want to be happy, and I want my life to be happy, and I want Sadie to be happy. Exactly. And I think sometimes it's a conscious effort to be like that. Yeah. You know. I have to tell myself in the morning. No, you have to be happy. But then a lot of times it just happens naturally, and I think as time goes on, it will the natural times will happen a lot more and I won't have to convince myself to be like that exactly so there's a lot of hope out there for everyone so I'm rooting for everyone and we're rooting for you too Sarah oh thank you thank you so much for taking the time oh you're welcome thanks for having me you're very welcome thank you thank you for listening to today's episode of For All Mankind if you enjoyed it please rate, review and subscribe If you would like to send me a message, please email forallmomkind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram. And see you in the next episode of the podcast. Gardner Family Apothecary are the official sponsors of For All Mumkind podcast. Caring for your sensitive skin with the Elav and Ovel solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel Silcox Base to Elav's Sensitive Beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of their news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. 
Visit gardenerfamilyapothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro.